0: By Sports Interaction, Canada Sportsbook. Welcome to Game Over Montreal. As usual, I am Andrew Berkshire, and uh, the Montreal Canadiens have dropped another one, their second straight. But as has been the case for most of this season, I think they played their opponents pretty tight tonight. Uh, defensively, there were some hiccups, to say the least. Uh, Jake Allen absolutely held them in there, but. Overall, I think they, you know, had their chances. They played pretty well. You know, the power play is still terrible, but you know, a muffed penalty shot and uh, this game could be tied. So it's an interesting situation for the Montreal Canadiens. We're going to talk about the power play because it's a continuing source of conversation. We're going to talk about Cole Caulfield. I think he had a big bounce back game tonight, and we're going to talk about Caden Gooley as well because there's been a growing conversation about Caden Gooley that by the eye test he looks great but by the underlying numbers it ain't so great so we're going to talk to a big Caden Gooley aficionado tonight it's perfect timing because Mitch Brown is going to join us but first I got to tell you about uh sorry sports interaction you want to bet you can do it at sports interaction Canada sportsbook Football continues. The World Series is around the corner, and they've dropped the puck on the hockey season. Bet pregame, live in play, or on one of our many prop bets, like hey the Cole Caulfield to outscore Austin Matthews bet. Looking pretty good right now, five to one in the score, but uh, Matthews has a lot of time to catch up. Made for Canadians by Canadians. Sports Interaction makes it easy to deposit, play, and cash out. Join now and see all sports betting has to offer, head to sportsinteraction.com slash STPN. That's sportsinteraction.com slash STPN. Ontario only, 19 plus. Please play responsibly. So let's welcome in Mitch Brown from Elite Prospects. Mitch, how's your evening going?
1: It's going well. Montreal Canadiens are not very good, but they are extremely entertaining to watch. This is how tanking should be done, folks.
0: Yeah, it is 100% true. I absolutely love watching the team this year, especially compared to last year. It's a breath of fresh air. I didn't think that they were going to be this fun this year, just as you look at those four rookies on defense, and I think everyone expected them to be a lot worse, but it seems like they're holding the fort relatively well. Obviously, there's some issues defensively, but well, you know, what? let's start with Caden Gooley because I think he's such a big conversation point. On This defense core, a lot of people see him as the future number one of this team. And obviously he's playing that position now at 20 years old, which is a lot to ask from everyone, from anyone. Like people forget that like PK Subban, when he was 20, started on the third pair with guys like Hal Gill. It wasn't immediate that he was moved up to the first pairing, even halfway through that season. I believe Roman Hammer, like was still getting more ice time than he was. So it's a tough role that he's being put into. How do you see Caden Gooley right now?
1: Well, the first thing is that he's a young guy playing against top competition. He played nine and a half minutes against Kaprizov tonight. Got caved in in most of those, but I also thought he did a pretty good job in some instances. So high level of competition. This is a guy who is very much learning on the job when it comes to making plays with the puck, when it comes to activating and showing all the the cool things that Martin St. Louis teams do. So it is going to require a lot of work. Also, uh, something that is a little bit minor but interesting is that Gouli in the NHL doesn't have quite the same level of physical advantage over opponents in the WHL. In the WHL, there's a problem. Well, he can just hit it. The guys not going to be able to get up for a little while afterwards, so he just run through them. In the NHL, he he can't do that. He can't just problem solve via uh, attempted murder. You know, he actually has to go out there and try to angle push players to the boards. Lead with a stick, cut off their hands, move the puck. And so he's actually done a really good job at that for the most part. I think there will always be a part of Gouley that's just going to default to being very aggressive. And as he gets older, as he times better, the defense is going to improve. He's going to start making more plays on the defensive end. He's going to get caved in less. And I guess there is one last thing, and that is that him and David Savard do not work together. <laughs>
0: You know, this is a thing, you know, coming into the preseason, there was a lot of Montreal media and they, they do this every year and I, I don't mean to call people out, but, you know, guys get put together and they say like, oh, well, the young player has talked about how much the veteran and helped them and that may be true and like how much they learn from playing with them, that may also be true, but it doesn't mean it actually works on the ice and this is definitely one of those situations where it's, it's I guess, the best of a bad situation, but... I, I don't know what they can do other than throw another rookie on there with, with Ghouli, which is probably not what they want to do. They can try to split up Harris and Kovacevic, but I feel like that pairing has been so good that you don't really want to mess with it. And the other option is a, like Jacki, And yes, that would be the most violent pairing in the NHL. It would be extremely fun. Would it be good? Probably not.
1: Yeah. And when, when the best guy on your blue on, on a pairing at moving the puck out of his zone, it's Caden Gooley. You know, you you might run into a few issues, and that is not, like, Caden Gooley has improved a lot at moving the puck. I mean, even tonight in a game where he was hemmed in his own zone a lot, he's not just dumping the puck anymore. He's trying to make plays. He waits. He draws the first four checker. He tries to pass through them. He makes all sorts of little, like, indirect plays. And if he doesn't have a teammate, he just kind of leaves the puck in space and lets a teammate skate into it rather than hammering it off the glass and out. So this is a guy who has the tools, He clearly has the coachability and the willingness to learn and he's trying his best to make things happen out there. So I think regardless of what the stats say, I'm a stats nerd, unfortunately, Um, but I'm just going to pretend that they don't exist here. and Gooley actually rules and stats are wrong. Y'all are haters. That's all.
0: (laughs) I mean, that's basically what I've been saying about this season so far, right? It's like, I'm a stats guy, but I'm kind of ignoring the stats for a lot of this roster because... Obviously, Ghoulie and guys like Suzuki and Caulfield, the things that they're being asked to do this year are not the same as what it would be in a normal year where they're competing for a good team, right? Like Suzuki's taking top matchups while also being told, you have to produce 80% of the offense on this team. It's not an easy thing to do. And obviously, in order to produce some of that offense, you're going to cheat a little. And him and Caulfield have cheated quite a bit. I thought Suzuki actually had a, a bit of a struggle tonight uh, with the puck, uh, like some some really bad forced plays, I found, where he was trying to find somebody who wasn't there or waiting too long, but uh, I did think that, I uh, just realized I forgot to turn my lights all the way on, I did think that Caulfield had a really big, big bounce game, we'll get to that later, but about Caden Gooley and David Savard, one thing that I do notice with them, and you can tell me if I'm wrong, Mitch, but even it, though they're giving up, a metric ton of chances overall. It seems to me like one of those things that XG struggles to capture very well is like how much time and space players have to shoot. And while they're get they're getting passes through, there's usually a stick in the way. There's usually pressure on the shooter. So they're doing little things that probably would limit the actual expected goals a little bit compared to what we're seeing from like a a public domain website
1: yes exactly that that is a great point and part of what makes gooey so effective in the nhl right now is that he's able to close space so easily like some players will have a huge amount of ice and they won't be able to recover gooey just takes one stride one crossover he gets a stick on the puck to flex it or at the very least he forces another decision now the tricky thing with this minnesota wild team is like Oh, you forced girl Caprizov to pass instead of shooting. he passed to Matt Boldy. And it's like, okay, well, you know, it's not going to, it doesn't change. It doesn't change it that much, especially when your forwards are uh, uh, a little chaotic and your defensive partner spends a lot of time on his knees in the defensive zone, trying to intercept passes that are never going to come. So yeah, it's, a, <laughs> they do have a lot of interesting qualities. Uh, I think Gouley, especially like he's shown a lot in the NHL already. I think, savard i mean he he does have he does have some skill as well in the offensive end you see him like jump in from the point trying to make things happen and the best part of this all is that hey i mean it makes it easier to get Connor Bedard, doesn't it
0: i mean you would think so but then you've got the vancouver canucks who are going for their hometown boy real hard <laughs> Maybe not on purpose, but it's happening.
1: They don't even realize that this was not the plan. It's like
0: the management team wanted to compete this year, and the players are like, you know what? We could really use a hometown hero to add to uh, Elias Pedersen's line.
1: Yeah. (laughs) At least the players are aware of their own limitations. you got to respect that.
0: (laughs) Respect the tank, the the tank that only the players have engineered. That that would be one hell of a story. Just JT Miller split the room like, guys, got to get more talent. To be able to have a big contract like mine on here, we gotta have somebody cheap like Connor Bedard to pick up the, the reins a little bit. Poor Vancouver. I, I feel bad for them because I know what it's like, like game over Vancouver starting this thing. I know what it's like to start this way, but they're actually even worse than the Habs were last year. The Habs won their sixth game, Vancouver's now 0 7.
1: And on top of that, the Vancouver Canucks uh, are just like painful right now. It's just painful. It's not like, it's not like, oh, pucks just aren't going in. It's, this is an unmitigated disaster and it's not going to get better anytime soon unless they get like a top three pick. Oh God.
0: Uh, I don't want to talk too much about Vancouver, but just uh rock smash in the chat says, watch Vancouver get first overall and they draft Fantilli. I mean, listen, it's not a bad idea to draft Fantilli, but I feel like the fan response to ignoring hometown boy Connor Bedard at first overall, there'd be another riot in Vancouver. (laughs) It would be a rough one. All right, so back to Caden Gooley a little bit, because, you know, we talked about his physicality, and it's a weird situation because everyone, I think, expected when Ghouli was coming in him to be like this physically dominant player. And in a lot of ways he is, you know, like along the boards, he's using uh, his environment extremely well to protect the puck or cut off players on, on the forecheck, all that stuff. But then you've got Jack, Jack, I come in and completely dominate everybody physically and takes all the focus for physicality off of Ghouli, but he's also playing on the third pair. Mitch, in your opinion, because obviously you brought up that is having to adjust his game because he can't just bully you know 18 year olds anymore it's hard to do that to nhl players but do you think he would be pushing the physical play a little bit more if he was in a like more minor role would he be over they're not overextending himself but extending himself more taking more risks than he is as a first pair or like a the first number one d essentially right now
1: oh yeah absolutely and of course the other thing too is that goalie is not playing like he doesn't. He not playing easy minutes at all. He doesn't get time off in the offensive zone either because the structure demands that you activate. And something that we've seen from Kaden Gooley from the time he entered the WHL to now is that he loves to get into the play and he knows how to do it. He times it really well. He's very intelligent off puck. We saw it late in this game where he kind of crept down the weak side off an offensive zone faceoff win and nearly got a chance. And it's hard to do that because you're sprinting up and down the ice. You're also it's also a lot more like activation is a lot more like mentally active than other phases of hockey where you're thinking to yourself, you're trying to read the play around you. It's not quite as ingrained as it is like, OK, you know, you know how to backpedal and take away the middle. That's just something you've done a million times. Activation, there's a lot more variables to consider. So I, I'm sure part of it is just that like it's not just that he doesn't have the same advantages, but he's playing so much and he's playing hard minutes, and he doesn't get any time off in the offensive end because he clearly wants to be a creator.
0: Yeah, surprisingly, I thought he was all over the ice tonight, and this was his lowest ice time since uh, the Detroit game, the second lowest of the, of the season, only 17 minutes, 17 seconds. I guess Jordan Harris was uh, just thrown out there constantly tonight. He played almost half the game, 25 minutes, over 25 minutes. So interesting to watch that maybe they were trying to give gooly a little bit mental break after how much pressure is on him but uh, I'd, I'd like to see harris continue to get to a bigger minutes and uh maybe split a little bit of that stress because over a whole season i feel like that's a lot to put on Gingley. and i know things will change a little bit when mike matheson comes back but still it, it's a lot
1: yeah and mike matheson doesn't play easy minutes too that's the guy mm. who's involved in everything <laughs> yeah and if you're his defensive partner you better be aware of that so also on the topic of Harris, like he's a pretty bland kind of boring player, sometimes kind of fades into the background a little bit, but he's low key, pretty solid already. He kind of understands where to position himself on the ice, where to be, how to move, how to get to the spots that he wants to. Defensively, he can be a little bit passive, but I like his very kind of proactive off puck approach as well. Um, he's never going to be exciting, but he there's a real chance that the Canadians might have a, a mid pairing guy here in the future.
0: Yeah, and I think Caden Gooley being so strong and him and Savard taking those hefty minutes have allowed Harris to shine a lot yeah. this this year. Like he's really, I think, expanded his game much more than I expected after watching him last year. Even in the preseason, I thought he was solid but unspectacular. But you know, we've talked about him a few times this year. He's been playing way more physical. Than we ever expected. Like how many times tonight was Jordan Harris the first guy in on the forecheck, which is great to see a guy use their skating ability from the back end, which is you know, we haven't really seen that from a guy who's confident with the puck with the Canadians for a very long time. Like I guess you could say Jeff Petrie, but Petrie didn't really like to lead the rush. I find he would go on an odd man rush, but he liked to lead from the back end and you know uh pinch in and take a nice shot, but. I love how aggressive Jordan Harris is, and obviously it plays into St. Louis' system to be that aggressive.
1: Yeah, and it's always, this is what Montreal, this is what Canadian hockey is going to be under Martin St. Louis. Activation, lots of cool stuff going straight down the middle, lots of weak side activation. You know, everyone is involved all the time, and it really blends well with how, say, a Cole Caulfield plays and how Nick Suzuki thinks the game.
0: Yeah, 100%. All right. Uh, We're going to talk about Cole Caulfield right away here. But first, I want to tell everyone, if you're here and you're enjoying the show, please like the show on YouTube. It helps us grow. It helps people find us through the algorithm and uh, share this show on your socials. Share it right now. There's not enough people in here watching. We want more people. We've got to talk to them. If you're a Habs fan and you like watching post-game content, well, here, it is an interactive show with great guests. Every single game you can log into. Chat with us. We'll shout you out on the show. Like, 22 Paper Dolls. K, one of our most loyal viewers. Sarah Y is always here. Even fans of the other team. Lindsay's here. A wild fan. And Dennis, he's, uh, he's great. I miss Saku on Twitter. So there's lots of people we love here that come every game. Share the show. Let everybody know about it. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. Subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, all the places you get your podcasts. So, uh... Yeah, says, someone says, bow down to the algorithm. Of course, we all bow to the algorithms on every social media website. This is the new normal of human interaction, unfortunately. But that's, you know, what we're dealing with. All right, uh, Cole Caulfield, I thought had his worst game of the year. Uh, last game against Dallas, he seemed to really be cut off physically and kind of struggled with the back and forth chaotic nature of the game in uh, in Montreal against the Dallas Stars. Sean Monahan as well, I thought really struggled, and Monahan I, I thought was a little bit off in the first period, but got better as the game went on, and to the point where he started to look really good. But Caulfield, both offensively and defensively, fantastic tonight. He had a uh, a like last second defensive like stick hold in I think the second period or maybe the third period where he full on saved a goal. I think it was on. Kaprizov too like it was a yeah. fantastic defensive play and I was like Cole Caulfield did that like he makes some good plays but that was it was very aware
1: the, the other crazy thing about that entire sequence was that he was on Caprizov man-to-man and he followed him behind the net called yep. that he wasn't going to switch and then Caprizov does the heel to heel to slip to slip away Caulfield hits the brakes he covers he, he gets back and forces Kaprizov to move with the puck so like it was the entire sequence of him kind of angling him, keeping him wide, and then matching his footwork along the boards that kind of set that up. Uh, it, very impressive defensive display. And on top of that, another thing that's very cool about watching Cole Caulfield these days is how much better he's along the boards than he used to be. Yeah. So he had this one great play where he faked that he was going to cut back one way and then quickly cut back the other other way. And the guy just fell over and he cut to the, cut to the inside. He had another one where he skated right down the boards, cut back, left the guy in his wake, created a chance so he's, he's he's learning that physicality in the nhl isn't just about trying to absorb contact it's about at the right moments turning away from it getting it on your back and then trying to make a play to the inside this is the type of stuff that we didn't see from him in college and now he's adding in the nhl like that's a big step that's very hard to do
0: yeah 100 percent. and i feel like you see those little hints of what caulfield could end up being and you know i don't want to Say, like, because they're both small, but you know, adding a little bit of that like Brandon Gallagherism to his game where the cutbacks. Uh, there was a point, I think, in the third period where he came in on the four check, or I think he was trying to chase down a loose puck with Jared Spurgeon, and Spurgeon kind of came in on him, and Caulfield just shrugged him off and knocked him to the ground. I know Jared Spurgeon's, I think, the smallest defenseman in the NHL, but I think he's still bigger than Caulfield, so he s- still has to punch up a little bit to to make that play. So I love seeing that from Caulfield and obviously his goal a little bit fluky for sure, but his little stutter step fooled the hell out of Marc-Andre Fleury on a night where he wasn't fooled often.
1: This, this ties. Okay. So I, I actually think this was a genius plan. I don't, I don't think it was luck. It might've deflected a little bit, um, there was one replay that, that looked like it deflected. Another one showed that it just kind of went straight underneath the defender's stick. I don't know if he was trying to shoot it low or whatever, but it was actually a pretty genius play. So what he does is he comes up the boards the other way facing the point. Then he cuts back because he knows that he can, he can separate from that position. As he comes in, he gets the defender to reach out, and then he curls the puck in. The puck to the goalie looks like it's going far side. So Flurry, and this is, this is right after Flurry because again, Caulfield is now going like straight down the boards. And so Flurry kind of steps out to the short side. Then Caulfield shows that the puck is going is going far side. And then at the very end of the motion, the puck actually goes short side. So he kind of catches Fleury in this weird motion where he's kind of like leaning with the shoulder far side, but his feet are being dragged behind him. So, I mean, that every goal scorer gets deflection goals like that. And it's often the consequence of a very intelligent play preceding it, which Cole Caulfield did. Like that was... That was, it wasn't a genius level play, but you don't see that too often even in the NHL.
0: Yeah, it was the, those little moments of genius. It's, it's almost savant like, right. And you see that from star level players, guys that have that offensive creativity. And, you know, like, unfortunately with the Montreal Canadiens, they, they have some good players, but I think that level of creativity is in relatively short supply right now. Obviously the plethora of high-end draft picks that they've, got over like last season and this season we might see a lot more of that coming into into it but uh, man it's uh really something with Cole Caulfield all right uh, the other thing that I wanted to talk about tonight in this section is the power play because it remains awful I thought that the last power play that they had uh, the one before oh, okay so it wasn't the last power play they had I think the one before Chris Weidman was standing still at the blue line and got an interference call. They seem to have back to back shifts where they actually had some pretty good passing, like some incisive passing, but they couldn't really get the puck to the middle and they weren't getting the shots off. They haven't really put it together yet. How much are you worried <laughs> sorry, about this power play, figuring it out under Alex Burroughs and how much of it is just, you know, they need to, have more time together.
1: I think part of it is personnel. I also think, you know, Suzuki, he likes to hunt the perfect play. And I think it was on the first power play of the game. He gains the zone and then just tries like a spinning pass to a guy who's covered. And it's like, you have a minute and a half to operate, just gain the zone and work with it. Yeah. It was in that moment where I was like, Hey, the power play is going to be bad again tonight. Because as soon as, as soon as you see your guy on the power play starting to force plays like that, you might as well just pack it in and turn over, turn every single one of them down. I think, Cole Caulfield, obviously, the shooter. Uh, I think his playmaking on the power play is very good. He moves the puck effectively. He moves it at the right moments. I think Weidman uh, goes from being too stationary to not using space at all. He won't use space. He won't, like, step in, draw, and then pass the puck. And he also, away from the puck, he intends to encroach on Caulfield's space. So then, basically, he gets so close to Caulfield that one penalty killer can take them both out of the sequence. Something that I would like to see them do that I think we've seen it in spurts this season, maybe like once or twice, is having Cole you'll take a sharp B position closer to the goal line. So you still want him on the weak side, but you want him closer to the goal line because A, he can score goals from there. We've seen it at every single level. That man from sharp angles is like an automatic sometimes. It's ridiculous. Yep. And that's an area where penalty killers often aren't going to be tracking him as closely. And if there is a player who can get in that puck, it's Suzuki. Suzuki will be able to manipulate opponents and draw pressure towards him, pass through them. So I think it entirely right now, anyway, rests in the hands of Weidman, Caulfield and Suzuki to figure out how to make this work. And maybe Burroughs can be, try to get Caulfield moving downhill a little bit more, but it's just a lot of bad decisions compounding.
0: Yeah. I, I wonder, like I talked about this, I think it was the last show with Aaron uh, that, I wonder if Weidman is kind of told because he's the only defenseman to stay back a little bit and be a little bit more conservative at the point. But at this stage, I don't see what the point of that is. No pun intended. Uh, I feel like they just need to be really aggressive on the power play and live with the mistakes that happen because it's not like they're competing this year. You can learn more from success, even if it comes with some bumps along the road than just, the complete morale destruction that is the power player right now. I, I feel like Weidman doesn't have the lateral speed that you need to be like that shifty guy at the point, like in the modern power play, your defenseman or the guy at the back doesn't even really need to be a shooting threat anymore. I find like you're looking at a 1% to 3% shot from there. Anyway, you basically are there to hold the line and draw penalty killers out and and like move guys side to side, right? Like you're a facilitator. You're not necessarily the commander that like Andre Markov was back in the day. And I would like to see them try somebody else there just because Weidman seems to lack creativity and a foot speed. And it just doesn't seem like a good combination. And also he's not great defensively. So if he makes a mistake, he's not great at covering either. I feel like Jordan Harris is probably the best option, even though he's not necessarily creative either. He's got that foot speed that can kind of make things happen. And at least somebody move out of formation. It, it seems like the Montreal Canadiens for years now, like they get their formation and sometimes you have guys in the right spots, but nobody ever really Changes spots unless it's to put people on the wrong side to shoot from. Like you would put Caulfield where he can't take a one timer. That'll happen because Caulfield's looking for a space to find a lane. But other than that, like the bumper stays in the bumper, the defenseman stays up high. Nobody, no chaos really happens, right? And you want that controlled chaos.
1: And it's very shocking when you watch them play up in the offensive zone at five on five, where like they got a defenseman just skating straight down the middle of the ice. And then on the power play, everyone is just static and staying in the exact same spot. It's a uh, it, it doesn't make a ton of sense. And of course, with uh, with Wideman, his job from that entire thing is literally just to bring someone towards him. So then he can dish it to copular Suzuki, who will then make the cross lane pass for the one timer. Mm-hmm. Like, that's his entire thing, his entire thing. Just bring a guy towards you and he does not do it. Harris would be a good fit uh he was never particularly good at doing that kind of stuff in college but I think now he's probably a little bit more aware a little bit more adaptable and of course he'll move the puck like as good as anyone else but I'd also be curious to see Caden Gooley in that position uh Caden Gooley doesn't get a ton of love for his offensive instincts which I think have always been in his game but he's mobile he's a legitimate shot threat from up there and on top of that he'll he'll defer to his teammates just non-stop he's not going to be taking any bad shots he knows who's taking the shots in the power play he'll step in fake move the puck back saw him do it with Edmonton last year like a lot of stuff that you would hope that the power play would be doing and if Kaden Gooley isn't doing it then it's very clearly the fault of structure um and I mean even Weidman like even Weidman does these things at five on five he just doesn't do them on the power play which makes it all that more confusing
0: yeah it is very very hard to understand especially that this is like a holdover power play that's been terrible for man, It's been a long time that this power play has been terrible. I, like it, the personnel has changed completely, and it's still bad. And I feel like and they you have
1: two of the best junior and NCAA power play guys ever. Nick Suzuki just would tear people up in though, and Cole Caulfield was like every other game he scores a power play goal. Like, yeah, and now <laughs> he, he only scores even strength.
0: Like yeah. <laughs> I think doesn't Caulfield only have like. Outside of the playoffs, I think like like a handful of power play goals, like two or something like that. Maybe he scored a couple in overtime in his uh, little 10 game stint. Let's see. No, he had five power play goals last year. So you've got 31 career goals in the regular season, five power play goals. I feel like he could have way more than that with a competent power player. I right? think <laughs> it just doesn't make yeah. sense to be that low, at least twice that.
1: And even in even in Wisconsin, when they played him, so he wasn't he couldn't take one timers. He was on a strong side, so he'd have to fake out incoming pressure and then shoot it. Like he was still scoring from there. Like you can find a way to make Cole Caulfield score goals. If you can't, you probably shouldn't be here, right? Like, yeah, that's what he does.
0: Yeah, hundred percent. I feel like his goals this season, you can you can see like they're not always those like big snipes or anything, right? They're just finding holes in goaltenders. Like what he had, what he did tonight, the little creative move. Or uh, he had one, I know it was a one-timer against, I believe, Toronto in the first game, and he just found the tiniest little hole above Murray's shoulder to go short side on a ridiculous angle. Like, you get him the puck with a shooting lane, and he's going to find a way to put that puck into the net. He is a natural goal scorer if ever there was one. So, the Canadians really... I mean, I guess they have a couple seasons to figure this out, but it, I feel like it's the one part of their game right now that isn't fun to watch. And if we could just get good it. news. Yeah, you have Conor some good Bedard news. Connor has
1: learned how to score on the power play uh later last <laughs> season. It was never his forte, but he's figured it out. So maybe if they just lose enough games then get Connor Bedard, all the power play <laughs> issues will go away.
0: Yeah, that does tend to happen. <laughs> oh man, Connor Bedard in a Montreal Canadiens jersey I think would uh make everything of the last season in a bit more than worth it uh, for for this fan base. All right. Uh, one last thing that I wanted to talk about before we close it out is Jake Allen, who once again was spectacular tonight. I feel like the Dallas game was his first game this year where he was like a little bit off, but the Stars had a lot of like 10 bell chances too. But uh, in this game, I, I started counting in the first period and into the second period how many times Brian Mudrick, who was on the play by play call for TSN, said back door as the puck was about to go right to Jake Allen. And I believe by the beginning of the second period, I got up to seven. And that's a lot of backdoor chances for a full game, let alone 22-ish minutes of play. Jake Allen obviously started the season playing incredible. And, you know, obviously we don't expect him to play this great all season. But with this amount of pressure on him every game, how many games do you think he can play?
1: I have no idea. I don't know goalies, and I certainly don't know goalie game played. <laughs> I mean, uh, I'll, I'll, say, I'll say 55. He can play 55.
0: Yeah, I think that's going to be asking a lot, honestly. I think uh, this is going to be a season where, unless he can really stay healthy, which I think is asking a lot of any goaltender who's going to be facing these kinds of shots and having to go side <laughs> to side all the time, you know, uh, man, if he gets to 50, I'd almost be surprised. I feel like we might split. 50-50 between him and Montembeau and maybe a spot of Primo at some point in there as well.
1: Yeah, it would be nice to see Kane and Primo get some games and I like I have no idea if Kane and Primo is good anymore but I remember watching him so closely in college and his first year in the A and he, he was just a player who was he developed at a shocking pace. Like he was a below average USHL goaltender who had like no real technical base. And then one year in college and suddenly he's so refined comparatively to what he was. And he's making big stops. And it'd be nice to see him actually get some action, maybe post a few wins, have some few memorable performances. And of course, I think Montembeau, who is certainly a fun goalie. Like, there's no dispute. He's entertaining <laughs> to watch. But he's going to help the cause, if you know what I'm saying.
0: Yeah. Although I will say, I've been impressed with him so far this season. I know last year he played like half of his game is injured. Like he had an injury to, I believe his glove hand. And he may even in- have injured his blocker hand at some point as well. Like two hands couldn't like hold on to stuff. And he had to play. Cause Allen was injured. Price was out. Primo was letting in like eight goals a game on like 10 shots. It, it was just brutal. So they're like, ah, Mon- Monty, you just, you gotta play. You gotta play injured. And he was like, okay. And like, I remember every <laughs> time he would let in a goal, it was just, he pull up his mask and take a drink, and the look on his face was just deer in headlights. He was struggling, but I think so far this year he's been he's been solid. Uh, so good for him. I hope he has a better year than last year, just because that's a it's a tough job. But Caden Primo last year, I feel like we saw the absolute worst of him, and then he went down to the Laval Rocket for the playoffs, and we saw the absolute best of him. And so far this season, he has a nine one six in three games for the Rocket. But a little bit inconsistent, uh, I guess. His first game, he kind of got lit up a little bit. But uh, good since then. Not enough starts so far, I guess, to really figure out how he's playing. But 9 uh, one ain't too bad. It's a good start, I guess.
1: Hopefully he keeps it up.
0: Yeah, I mean, he has some runway. The organization doesn't really have much in terms of goaltenders. He <laughs> can figure something out to, to get some starts in the NHL, get some money in his pocket for sure. But I would assume, just based on Jeff Gordon's history of finding goaltenders, that the Canadians
1: will find some diamond in the rough somewhere. Oh, they—they they have one. Uh, Jakob Dobish, just yeah. Holy moly, that guy! That guy is—he's exciting. He's great. I think in eight college games so far, he's a nine thirty-one. Okay, he's no Devin Le- Devin Levi, but like, come on, that's pretty good, especially for Ohio State University. And last year, he was nine thirty-four. So oh, wow. this is clearly one of the best goalies in, in NCAA hockey right now. I think he won Big Ten Goalie of the Year, if I remember. Or at the very least, he was on the first all-star team as a rookie. So, like, very, very exciting. And then um, uh, Emmett Kroto, Emmett Kroto um, not the most beautiful goalie to watch, but he has really good tools, uh, big guy, quite mobile. His scanning is Pretty good for a USHL goalie, especially for a six foot four USHL goalie. This game is often something that comes a little bit later. And so he's got to watch. He's Clarkson bound next season.
0: All right. So they got some guys in the organization already to, to keep an eye on. There was a couple fun comments here on uh, Monty. There's somebody what was... I missed it there. Ah, I lost it. All right. Uh, there's somebody saying he's a muffin. Everybody loves Montembeau in the chat. Uh, I think it was Rock Smash. I said the $1 million deal that he got... Uh, the extension must have been like reparations for having to deal with last season, which, you know, fair. It it was a rough one for everyone, but I feel like the goalies, especially last year, really, really got uh, a rough, a rough ride. All right. I think I've kept you long enough, Mitch. Thanks so much for joining us here tonight. Thanks for everyone for uh, joining us here. Obviously it's a lot more fun this year than last year. But there's still going to be a lot of losses. So uh, stick with us through them. And before we close out, Mitch, tell everybody where they can find your work.
1: Uh, you can follow me at Mitchell Brown on Twitter.com. I just tweeted out about Owen Beck's nine point weekend. Actually, I think that was a few days ago, but I'm sick right now, so I have no sense of time. But anyway, <laughs> he had a great weekend. I'll be posting some cool Lane Hudson stuff eventually, too. And then head to EPRingside.com. We have all sorts of cool stuff. And we have a draft retrospective series coming out. Talk about how Elmer Soderblom became the internet's heartthrob hockey sensation. And how about Connor McDavid was actually probably not as good in junior as you think. So lots of cool stuff coming. I implore you to check it all out. Please, I need to eat.
0: (laughs) All right, everybody. Feed Mitch. And if you can, uh, I will post... In the chat, or no, in the description of this video and in the podcast, Mitch's Patreon, which he uses to support him tracking all of his uh, prospect data. Seriously, the information that he provides is invaluable. It's amazing to see uh, what junior kids are up to and, and try to relate some of their skills to NHL player skills and where they can project as. Mitch is one of the only people doing this kind of work. It's incredible. So if you have the means to support it and you want to see some cool stuff, please support Mitch there as well as elite prospects. Uh, Thanks for coming out everyone. And uh, we will see you on Thursday.
1: Thanks a lot for having me. It was a great time as usual.
0: My pleasure, man.